Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. My name is Patrick Francie, and I'm the CEO and managing partner of the Real Estate Investment Network. In addition to being a business owner, I'm also a real estate investor. I'm a coach, a husband, recently a grandfather. Now, along with that, I'm also committed to stretching beyond what I've achieved by continuing to elevate in living a fulfilled life by making a positive difference in my world. I'm going to invite you to join me as I delve into the details of the many wins of my guests in achieving their goals, along with, shall we say, the frustrations of the occasional deal gone wrong, because my guests are here to help you learn by talking about what's real for them in business and investing in real estate, from the life they're now able to live to the person they become along the way as they pursued their dreams in having the freedom they've gained by building a sustainable financial future for them and their family. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this episode of the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Before I introduce my guests, I'm always going to start by first thanking you for listening in and for your support and the feedback you provide us on the show, as well as to encourage you to send your comments, your suggestions, or your questions directly to me at CEO at RainCanada.com. That is CEO at ReinCanada.com. And if you're inclined, I'd really appreciate it if you were to share this show with your friends, your family, with other people you know. And why not even share it with people you don't know? Rate the show and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you happen to use to listen in. And while you're at it, why not follow us on the Everyday Millionaire Facebook page? So thank you again for the feedback you provide the team and I. It is definitely appreciated. Now, if I were asked to define or paint a picture to give meaning to the context for this podcast, which is seemingly ordinary individuals who have achieved extraordinary results, my guest on this episode, Lorreen McGregor, really says it all. She was born and raised in Castlegar, British Columbia, where she and her husband reside today. And Lorreen is a business owner, a real estate investor, an award-winning realtor in that region, and definitely a leader in the community. Lorreen's path to the success she enjoys in her life and business today was born from an inherent passion to compete and lead by example of being the best she can be. From the time she attended the University of Alberta in her early 80s, where she received her phys ed degree, Laureen has had a fascination for understanding the human body and of fitness and competition. She has celebrated many accomplishments and received many awards as a competitor in fitness and business. However, her marriage of almost 35 years to her husband, Carrie, and her two children, Mark and Nicole, are accomplishments she is proudest of. I've had the opportunity to get to know Laureen as a friend over the past few years through her friendship with my wife, Stephanie. She's humble, yet fiercely competitive, very focused. Laureen is always learning, stretching, growing. Definitely a seemingly ordinary individual who lives her life being unquestionably extraordinary. A mother, a grandmother, a businesswoman, a leader. Please enjoy the show. Lorene McGregor, welcome to the Everyday Millionaire Podcast. Yeah, you're in studio. You are poolside studio. I'm sitting here looking across at you. Welcome to the show, Lorene. Thanks so much, Patrick. It is gorgeous outside, and I can't wait to go and dive into that pool. Isn't it a beautiful day? It's crazy how nice it is today. I love this. Oh, this is Abbotsford, Langley. Heaven. 
Heaven. <laughs> Heaven. <laughs> okay, where we're going to enter this conversation was where I have a tendency to always go, which is uh, give me your 30, 60, 90 second elevator pitch. So when somebody walks up and says, Lorene, what do you do? Okay. Uh, I am a realtor. I'm an owner broker of Remax Home Advantage in Castlegar and Grand Forks. Uh, I am a wife, a mom of two children, and a grandma. And a grandma. And a grandma. Yeah. And I'm a bit of a fitness enthusiast as yeah, well. A little bit. Just yeah, a little bit. Of just a, a little bit. Just, you know, and, and, and we're going to talk about that because I want to I want to hear more about that whole journey to uh, fitness for you because you are um, definitely at the higher end of the scale in terms of what you've done in the past from fitness. So that's cool. That'll be a great topic. Now, tell me a little bit about Castlegar because for those who are listening that don't know Castlegar, I mean, gosh, it's... Uh, Small town. It's in the you know in, in one of the most beautiful areas of British Columbia that mm-hmm. you can be in. So tell me a little bit about Castlegar. Just give us some background. Absolutely. So um, Castlegar is in the West Kootenay part of British Columbia, which is about seven and a half hours from Vancouver and probably about seven hours west of uh, Calgary. And it's a small community. And that's where the Kootenai and the Columbia River come together. So it's called the Crossroads of the Kootenays. And so we see the start of the Columbia River as it heads down to the States, right in that area. So it's a beautiful, beautiful part of of the West Kootenai region. We're only about two hours also north of Spokane. So it's a gorgeous little piece of the world. It's heaven. It's where I was born and raised, and I love it. What's population? Because it's pretty small. Yes, there's about 8,000 people within the city. And then just outside, outskirts is about 15,000 people. So we can all fit into the BC Place Stadium quite easily. So so small town girl, realtor, Mm -hmm. real estate investor, Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. You haven't always been a realtor. And um, let's go back a little bit on your journey because you seem to have always had an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, Carrie, your husband, is a school principal was retired now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you've always, you seem to have had an entrepreneurial spirit because you owned a franchise of the body shop, the body shop. Mm-hmm. And when was that? When did you do that? We became a body shop franchisees in 1998. And we owned the shop until about 2008 when there was a change in the body shop franchise. So, yeah. So why? Okay. So you, how long did you have the body shop? Just under 10 Christmases. So why do you measure by Christmases? <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. No, it's not weird. But, uh, do you know why it's Christmas? Because Christmas is the biggest season, right? Okay. It is the biggest uh, retail season. And uh, that's what we look forward to. So yes, 10 Christmases. So you raised in Castlegar. You go to school in Castlegar. And I always like to look back on the journey of kind of those ordinary individuals who achieve extraordinary results. And I know that you're really humble and you have trouble with owning that success that you've had over the years. And it's one of the things that I've given you a hard time about in the past, which is not to make you wrong at all, but just to encourage you because you're a pretty awesome lady and, and where people are going to find that out in this podcast. So let me let me go back and talk about Castlegar, your journey. What did your parents do? Like, Where did the entrepreneurial spirit evolve from for you? Well, my dad was a machinist at the local pulp mill at Selgar Pulp, and my mom was a stay-at-home mom. She was uh, educated to be a home economics instructor and teacher, uh, but she chose to be staying at home. I know that my mom 
wanted to get out into the workforce and actually get into business, but she was just always so nervous. There was a fear. So um, I just uh, always watched her just kind of shake her head when she saw other people doing things like opening up Fabricland or, or, you know, the school to teach people how to sew. So I think I may have got a little bit of that entrepreneurial spirit from my mom, not really realizing it. But, you know, she used to talk about the what ifs and she should have. And, and uh, it kind of intrigued me. So was it, was your interest in it driven by you know, money or was it driven by a passion just for being your own boss? Where did the, what kind of drove it for you, do you think? So when I look back at what drives me and where everything probably stemmed from, and I know this might sound really kind of silly, but I was always super hungry. For some strange reason, I was just always hungry. And, you know, not that we didn't have enough food on the table at our house, um, but there were like three meals and uh, you need to eat at breakfast, lunch, and dinner and nothing in between. And, but I was hungry in between. So I had this drive to go, you know what, I'm going to find a job. I'm going to find something I need to do so that I won't feel this hunger that I can actually always just go and feed myself. So I know that sounds really kind of crazy, but it's just really where I believe my, my drive comes from. I don't ever want to be hungry. And so, you know, when I got out of school, I said I was going to go on to education and so that I don't have to worry about not having the means to feed myself. And that's probably the core of where this drive comes from. Um, Of course, it changed later on, but that's basically just the the core. Was there a psychology behind it, do you think, where there was a... Do you think your mom or your parents at that time... And this isn't to make parents wrong, by the way, because we all are parents and have, we all have our own stuff that we <laughs> we mess up. But anyways, uh, this so just to qualify that. So do you, do you think your parents came from a bit of a lack mentality that you said, I can't operate from there. I got to fill that gap. Do you think that's part of the psychology behind it? Or I, I don't know where I'm going with that. What's your thoughts? You know what? Both my parents, I think, I don't know if it was a lack. I think they were just fearful. They just wanted to do the 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 steady path. My dad was going to work, you know, at the mill. My mom was going to raise kids and, and, and just make sure she can manage the finances. And they were never um, willing to step out of anything and try anything exciting because for fear of failure, maybe for fear of lack at that point, they they were just really watching their funds um, where, I just sat there and went, you know, the moment I can get out, I am going to go and I'm going to be bigger than that. And I just basically needed to make sure that I could um, just be able to keep myself fed. And that's, I think that's what drives me, you know, so. What what do you think, where did you, can you go back to a time? What, what age were you or where were you in your life when you kind of started having that realization or starting to need to, you know, to feed that, that hunger? Was there a point where you started to recognize it? Was it early teens, late teens? Early or? teens. So, yeah. you know, so that you're talking about the physical hunger? All of it. Yeah. It, you know, whatever it is. Well, no, I just I just realized, you know, in my early teens that I just wanted something more. You know, it, it's not that it wasn't a bad thing and, and that everything at home was, you know, good. Um, but I just wanted something more because I just had this gut feel that there was something bigger. And at the same time, you know, I, I wanted my, my literally, literally my um, desire to, 
to be fed, dealt with. I didn't want it to put it on anybody else. So I said, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to go get educated. I'm going to go ahead and do this. But I also felt that there was, there's something bigger out there, you know, and, and I can't wait to go out and do that. I was going to stay at home, do what I needed to do to get through school. But the moment I hit the ground running in Edmonton, it was like, yes, I have so an you, opportunity. So you came to Edmonton, you went to Edmonton for school. University, was it? Yeah, Yeah. University of Alberta. I wanted to pursue understanding the human body and uh, getting involved with sports and recreation. And U of A was the school to go to. So uh, did you go, did you complete university or was it kind of a a path that you went on and then changed or what, where did you go with the university side of things? I ended up graduating in 1984 out of the University of Alberta with the Bachelor of Physical Education and Administration major. And now I was just ready to go on out and, uh, uh, learn, um, get, 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 get the job, you know, get that recreation job. So my dream job was to, to manage either, uh, sports facilities or, um, be in charge of, um, you know, campus, get on campus and get involved with recreation and health and wellness. One thing I learned along the way as I was in university was like how physical fitness and food um, can change your body. And Mm. I got hooked on the fact that, oh my goodness, if you move right and eat right, this is how you can feel and be. So that is where my passion for wanting to pursue a physique type of, um, you know, bodybuilding career um, came from. So did now, how long did you stay in Edmonton, by the way? I was there for three years, three years. And, mm-hmm. and did, was it just during university or did you actually extend some kind of career? Did you start anything? You went right back to Castlegar, right back home. to Castlegar and became a fitness leader in Castlegar. In Castlegar. What is What is a fitness leader? What is a fitness leader? Well, it was back in the day of Jane Fonda. Oh. Like, that was way back when. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> was pretty cute in my little outfit, but I also really loved music and I really liked the musicality and the fact that we can move and, and, and exercise to music. So I uh, was one of the very first aerobic instructors in Castlegar. I came with the gear, the whole thing, the leg warmers, everything, headband. And I started the, the, the fitness classes in Castlegar. So, and just really enjoyed that and uh, was just really hyped about all that. Mm-hmm. So you Okay, so we sit here today, mm-hmm. and I mean, let's talk about your, your the physicalness of how you're built. So you've competed. How old are you now? We, we I am going to be 57 in a couple weeks. 57. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you look 37. Thank and, you. And physically, but you competed. Now you've won a lot of. Were they phys, were they fitness or physique? They were actually called figure. So I'm considered I'm considered a figure athlete. In the world of bodybuilding, you have probably about five levels. You go everywhere from bikini to model to figure to physique to bodybuilding. Right. And I'm uh, my body, my bone structure, and my my height, and this the way I'm composed kind of leans more towards the figure side of things. So yeah, because you're tall. You're what are you five? I'm about five nine. Five nine. Yeah. yeah, you're tall. And and so you you've done that for a number of years. Now you won. Didn't you win something at 50 when you hit 50? There's a couple of milestones that you did some really cool stuff at. I mean, fit yeah. at 50 at that level is kind of cool. Yeah, it was. Um, so I just want to take a step back. You know, when I was in university um, going through the exercise physiology piece of of um, the phys ed program, I started to see my body change and I wanted to be the guinea pig, like put me in the fat tank, you know, put me like test my lactic acid because I was so super cool, so, so excited about what my body was doing. 
doing. Okay. So I was doing that. At the same time, there's this woman by the name of Raquel McLeish who came on the scene and she was one of the very first bodybuilders, um, Miss Olympias. And I wanted to be like her. Like I just looked at that her and I just went, she looks fit and lean and healthy and she's happy. And and so that's that was my inspiration. Um, I did see my body change and I thought that was pretty cool. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go into the weight room and start working out. And I did. I went into the weight room at, at um, the University of Alberta. It was me and all the football players. Like there wasn't a single female in there. Um, but I still went in there with a trainer and uh, we were working towards this bodybuilding career that I wanted. And then I met my husband, Carrie. And uh, at that time, he wasn't my husband. He was just my boyfriend. And um, I said, you know what? I'm not going to stick around to do this. I'm going to go home and get married. And so I put that dream on hold, always wanting to do that. But I put it on hold until I was 47, when I had a, a moment in in my career to take a break and and pursue this. So I started doing this at 47. So that's that's pretty epic in just taking it on at that age. It's mm-hmm. kind of reinvigorated, but you you weren't uh, not even reinvigorated. But you weren't. It's not like you were in terrible shape because you you were a fitness person, yep. fitness leader. Mm-hmm. You just wanted to pick your game up and take it to the next level, and you chose to do that at forty seven years old. At forty seven, because you have to. The, there's there's time involved. It, it takes quite a bit of discipline. You need to make sure you're in the gym the right amount of time. You ought to make sure that you have your meals prepped. It is it, it is quite. It's almost a full-time job. You know, um, I figured out a way to do it as a part-time job, but it's almost a full-time job to do something that, and I had that time now. Kids were gone. Um, you know, I had a break, like I said, between one career looking for another career and going, what am I going to do? Cause I just can't sit still. And, um, yes, I have been involved in the fitness industry. I was a master trainer of fitness leaders for the province. Um, you know, before I bought the body shop. And, uh, so I continued to do, um, those type of activities, but this was an opportunity to take it to this level. And I just met this wonderful young lady in the gym who had done it once. And she says, let's just give it a shot. So I hit the stage at 47. I really had no idea what I was doing in the sense of how to be on stage. And I said, you know, I'm going to do it again, but just give me a break and I'm going to find the right trainer. So I continued to do it. Mm-hmm. So you've been, you're, you competed in 2018, was that your last or just 17, 18? I don't remember. It was last uh, September, uh, last August, sorry, last August um, 4th. I hit my goal. I hit my goal and that was to get to the nationals. And that was, so that's at a master's level of competition. It's, uh, it is, it is, you have to work your way to that point. You need to win in a competition here in BC or in anywhere along the way. Um, and I did win the natural, uh, competition a week earlier and then headed to the national natural event in Toronto. And I hit the stage, the eldest competitor again, I was 56, felt very, very good. It was the best I showed up. Like it was just really super, it was just really nice to see the body show up on stage. But I mean, it took a lot of work, but it was just nice. I was at my peak on that stage on that day. It was pretty cool. That's cool. That takes a lot of discipline, training. Now, where where does that kind of mental fortitude show up for you, you know, in other areas of your life? So, you know, you did the body shop. At the body shop, you were very successful at it. Body shop changed some of the they changed the dance step for their franchisees. Is that what happened? I, I don't remember what the story was with Body Shop. When I bought the Body Shop, there were um, 
you know, the franchisees in uh, the in Canada, the franchisor had um, a good portion of their shops were owned by franchisees. Mm. And um, when Body Shop Canada sold their franchisor to international, um, you could see the writing on the wall. They were trying to get rid of us franchisees at some point because uh, they just wanted to take control of of that business and and head another direction. And we hung on as long as we possibly could as franchisees. But in 2008, they decided that it was it's time just to close all those small stores down because they weren't going to buy them and they were just taking them all back for corporate. So, um, but in the in the my eight year or nine year run with that, I did really well. It was, um, it, you know, I wasn't just selling soap. It was an interesting um, training ground. I had 688 square feet in Chakamaika Mall in Nelson, and uh, we did sell soap. But I think it was a, a training ground for my employees, the the women that came and worked for me and with me, and uh, it was a great opportunity there for for those nine ten years. Let's just go back a little bit around when we face adversity was, was losing the body shop. How was that at that time? Were you, were you really challenged by it? Was that a case of facing some significant adversity? Is that how it landed and felt for you at that time? Or was it well planned out enough that you knew it was just winding down? The body shop wasn't my dream. It was my husband's dream. It was Carrie's dream. I had my dream job. I was at Selkirk College. I was managing the sports facilities. I got the job that I wanted, um, looking after athletic teams um, in charge of health and wellness programs on campus. And I was in my element. I was having the best time of my life. And my husband was trying to figure himself out. He wanted to to own a franchise. He wanted to see what it's like to be an entrepreneur himself because he had the business side of things. And so when the body shop came up and the body shop people liked what my husband had put down on his application, he asked me to come with him to Toronto. And when I got to Toronto um, and we're sitting at the table there, I noticed that in the interview process, the people at the table started uh, actually leaning towards me. You can see they kind of liked what I had to say. So uh, at the end, they walked out, they go, you know, if this is going to happen, it's your wife that's going to need to be the the franchisee. And we looked at each other and I went, okay, let's just, let's just do it. Because we always did want to own a, a franchise of some sort. And this one felt good because it was, um, it just was in line with our ethics and 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 where we stood. So, so I gave up my job and went into to to be the body shop um, franchisee, and my husband went back to being an administrator. But um, along the way, after about four years of you know taking the business from one point to another, and it, we, we grew the business quite well, I just got antsy. I just went, this is just is not this feels good, but this is just doesn't feel right. And so I started um, pursuing other little hobbies. Um, I fulfilled my dream of being a postman. I wanted to be a letter carrier. So I did that on the side. Um, At the same time, I said, you know, eventually I'd like to sell this. So let's get back into fitness. So I went into the golf industry and got my golf club management uh, uh, diploma. So just as my golf club management diploma, I acquired that in 2008, that's when the body shop had closed down. So I had already looked for other things to do. I didn't think I would be shut down. I thought I could sell the store, but that wasn't an option. So 
I was somewhat ready for my next step, but I have to admit, the body shop, I felt like my identity was attached to that, to that, that business. So when it actually, the doors were shut, I just went, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to actually, like, who am I? Like, I'm going to have to reinvent myself. Like, will people just come and hang out with me because I'm not attached to the body shop? So it was, it was, it was a bit of a, a bit of turmoil at that point. So I needed to pick it up and try something new. And there's a couple of points of entry there for me, Lorene, is that, so first off, your, your entrepreneurial accident, which really it was because mm-hmm. it was Carrie that mm-hmm. you go into a meeting and the next thing you know, you're, oh, guess what? I'm running the show. So that's kind of interesting. But tell me a little bit, you know, I think one of the, the points of this disappointed discussion, mm-hmm. you know, you, so body shop shuts down, you're now struggling with identity. Who am I if I'm not that? Mm-hmm. And I mean, in your case, you had no choice, but in hindsight, because, you know, ultimately a lot of people, I, I think there's a, there's a number of people out there that do what they do, whatever it might be, because they don't know who they would be if they're not that. So there's a, a little bit of a fear of losing that identity, losing that connection. Mm-hmm. And in that, in that space, what did you learn in that time? So your body shop, you've got some identity around it. You're, you're, you've, you've now left the what you were doing in terms of a leader, fitness leader. Mm-hmm. And, and so how can you take me back to what that felt like at the time? Did you in fact realize that, Hey, you know, I still know the people I know. I, my identity is still, I'm Laureen and I just don't own the body shop anymore. What did you learn in that, in that time? Anything that stands out? Well, I, well, I learned to really lean into my husband and, um, and my faith, just because, you know, I knew that my husband believed that I can pick myself up again and, and, and try something new. I was quiet for a while, but not for long, because all of a sudden I put myself out there and was looking for jobs and um, instantly got a job out in Invermere and uh, marketing a golf course called Eagle Ranch. So uh, it was a, it was a quiet time, but it was that time period that I decided to go back and pursue this dream to be a bodybuilder. So, you know, um, I so I went into the gym and just focused that energy in being in the gym for those six or seven months that I needed to be in the gym for. So, so back to your question, I don't know if I answered it or not, but I believe just leaning into people and my faith that I that I knew I was okay and was going to be okay. I just needed some quiet time. So mm-hmm. that's where I. This was an opportunity, another opportunity. So I go back a little bit to what you do, you know, in terms of fitness and physicalness. I mean, there is a huge amount of discipline that goes with that. There's a definitely a, an intention mindset that has to come into that because the adversity that you face as a competitor is around diet and training and mm-hmm. all the things that come up. So you, you've, you've got that intention and that focus. Does that also kind of show up for you in business? Do you see that in terms of what you've done as a realtor, because you, you've you've done a lot of you've you've been very successful in that in that community as a realtor. Like mm-hmm. it's it's pretty epic what you've been accomplishing and what you're doing. Yeah, are you aware that you're tapping into that that tenacity? Do you think, or is it just part of who you are and and it, you don't, you're not really thinking about it? Like what's your what's your mental process when you take on something? Do you know? I think it all. St- I know I'm going to go back to the hungry piece. 
Like when I was a young girl and I was just literally physically hungry and I did what I needed to do to, to get fed. And I, and I, I, I think, you know, um, I wasn't going to be hungry again. I'm going to make sure that I get a job. So I'm going to get educated. I'm going to get a job. So I know that I'm not going to ever be hungry again. And that came, that came true. I, I got, uh, well, actually I, I got um, married and um, I went up north with my husband, but I just couldn't sit still. So I recreated myself when we went up to Fort St. James. So it, I, I wasn't going to sit around. So I think just that drive right from there, it, it started when I was young. So every community that I went into, I recreated myself. We were in Fort St. James for a year and I became the fitness expert up there, moved down to um, Vanderhoof and uh, couldn't sit around there either. So I um, approached the local Y, YMCA, and created a recreation department out there, the first decentralized Y out there. So, you know, it, I think it started earlier in my life that I just couldn't sit around. I ne- needed to do something. And if it wasn't there, I was going to create it. And I, it was easy. I thought it was easy, but if you look hard enough, the opportunities are there. And so um, when I came down to Grand Forks, the exact same thing, you know, I looked for another opportunity to pursue what I like to do, and that was health and fitness. So we got involved with uh, the recreation department there and created a job for myself. And when I got to Castlegar, it was the exact same thing into Nelson. Just once again, that's when I started to become a um, master trainer for fitness leaders. So I think every community that I went into, because my husband moved from community to community, uh, I just took what I loved to do and um, found the opportunity to do it. And sometimes I got paid, sometimes I didn't, but I just wanted to do something. And I think when the body shop closed down and I had this opportunity to now be a uh, fitness uh, uh, figure athlete, I think that uh, knowing that I had that um, uh, drive to to make something happen, it was it was already there. It just came naturally. Um, I also understood how if you're going to do this, if you're going to be a figure athlete, you really need to turn the dial to on because there's you really can't mess around with your your workouts or your food if you want to hit stage and and look right and look good. There's a whole bunch of, uh, there's a number of questions I got. So first I want to go back. So when you talk about hungry as a child and you had three squares a day and, you know, no snacks in between. Now, have you, have you reflected on what, what drove that? What was that belief system of your parents? Have you dug it? Like, is there something behind that? How did that show up for you as a kid growing up? So what was your mom's philosophy or your dad's philosophy around that? You know, my mom... Again, I think uh, we didn't have much. We needed to ration and you would be fed. This is when you're going to be fed. Uh, We didn't have much. I'm going to sew your clothes. This is what you'll wear. You'll wear those for the full year. And so we learned um, just to not have much and do, but do the best we can with it. And where that came from, from my mom and my dad, you know, I'm not really sure, but I just think it was a fear again, you know, fear Mm -hmm. around money, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, just, you know, I watch... I watch my mom today and I still watch her fear around money, yet she's got so much. And I just want to release her of that, right? Because now that I've learned what you can do um, and how you can make it work for you. So 
I think it was just a fear and I don't know where that came from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm still somewhat fearful myself, you know, and it's a habit that I have to break or a, a neural pathway that I have to break or, or retrain, but I'm starting to see it. I think you gave me a kick in the bottom <laughs> in regards to investing. Uh, you just said, Lorene, just, just do it. And I just went, okay. And I needed that little shove and I appreciate that, you know, (laughs) it was like a big shove and it was the right thing, you know, but I don't think my mom and dad had those shoves, you know, so they didn't surround their people themselves with good people like yourself. So the, the, the fitness part of it. So the, the health and fitness part of it, was there, was there a catalyst in there? Did you, you know, what drove you to health and fitness? Where was the where was the model that you stepped into? I mean, you worked out what you saw a fitness, uh, a bodybuilder back in your university days. Yeah, Raquel McLeish. <clears throat> I'm going to bring her up again. I'll tell you why. <laughs> okay. I, I just love her. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. So I want to, so, so was it just driven by that or was there, did you have a health scare in your family? Was there something that you were noticing about people that weren't healthy? No, you know, you know, um, it had nothing to do with health. Uh, I mean, the, the health scares in my family. I just, saw myself, my body change. Um, I was a bigger girl in, in high school, and uh, but I was always an athlete. I liked to push things, throw things, check things, stop things. I just loved um, the, the, the physicalness, the, the physicalness yeah. of things, right? Yeah. Uh, I used to, I played university field hockey for the Pandas. I was the goaltender, but our coach was a, a fitness uh, driven and we were running and we were doing things. And I just went, look at my body. I went from that size to this size by moving a little bit more. And I felt so good. It felt so good to move and move with ease. And uh, And I just wanted to share that. So, you know, from the degree that I got, I mean, I had this background um, in physical education, it was just a natural transition to teach and uh, teach water fitness, teach uh, land fitness, all that. So it didn't come from any ailments or health issues in my family. It just came from actually experiencing how good I felt. And to this day, I just, when I'm on par and in the gym or, you know, going out for a while, I just feel good. And you, and you want to encourage people to do the same thing. There's a, I know for me, you know, I've trained off and on, well, really for many, many, many years, probably Mm -hmm. 35 years now, at least where I've been very, very physical and trained and I'm often, you know, I'm on again, off again in the past couple of years. But what I always was amazed when when I was doing half marathons or running and really training hard, I was always in awe. This is going to sound weird. So I want to qualify it. I was always in awe of my body but not because I was looking and going, wow, what a body. Yeah. That, that was not what it was about. It was really for me, literally being in awe of what my body was capable of doing. It blew my mind, even though I was doing it. So exactly. you know, I would, I'd crank out a half marathon and I'd go, wow, like my body just did that. Yeah. Like it was pretty epic for me. And so it was never, although there was probably always a vanity play underneath it, you know, which I, and I, I always say to people, I don't care why you work out. I don't care why you train. If it's all vanity, ego, whatever, at least you're, you're training, you're, doing something. you're staying yeah. fit and you're staying well. So yeah. that's, you know, that's the key to all of that. Well, that, that, that's, like I said, that excited me too. I mean, I, 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 I couldn't believe what my body can actually do. And I, I like went and, and you know what? I looked pretty good too. It felt pretty good to feel that way as well, but it was just more about moving and it just felt, I actually even tried to be a triathlon. (laughs) I can't run and I'm afraid of water. 
So here I am. I can get on a bike and ride, but I thought I would try it one year. And I did. I, I got, competed three times and um, never again, but um, I wanted to see if I could do it. And I did it. Just to experiment to see how my body would react to running and swimming, and it didn't. <laughs> didn't like it. Didn't like it one no, little bit. No, I'm not a runner, and no, I if I'm swimming, it's going to be a dog paddle. <laughs> so, but what drove you? What was behind that? Was it was it truly was it a com- a competition thing? Was it a fact that you're working out thing? Was it a uh, an ego vanity play was it what was it or just the challenge what was it or was it a combination of all of those things because what really drove you to take it on because i have a little bit of background where you know oh i'll have you know we would go for dinner or something and you would be packing like a chicken and salad yep and i still have that in the truck right now anyway <laughs> still feels so it feels good it feels really good do you know what it was it was i can I I had the bone structure, like, I know that sounds strange, but when you have the the physique that can, that that will look good on stage, um, I had it. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, I'm not going to, this is what I got. So I'm going to see what I can do with what I got. And, and it was easy for me. It weights felt good. And the regimen I'm all about that. You know, get me a coach, tell me what to do, makes it easy. It's, it's a no-brainer. You just follow the plan, just do what you need to do. I don't have to think about what I'm going to eat because they've already told me what to eat. I just got to prep it. And that I love not thinking about that stuff. So that made it really easy. So give listeners some guidance. I mean, here you are, you're, you're an entrepreneur, whether it was in uh, the body shop or a realtor or or even when you were working, you raised two children? Yes, Mark and Nicole. And you continue to have that regimen of discipline, routine. Now, how do you do it? Because time and time again, I don't have time to train or work out. I'm not motivated. I'm not inspired. What What are you coaching, teaching, leading when it comes to physical fitness, when you have people with those kinds of excuses, there's some guidance you can give, provide, or some yeah. insights? Yeah. You know what? Um, I'm right now, all I can say is um, if you're serious about um, taking control of your, uh, of your health and fitness, I needed to have a coach. I needed to get somebody who I can be accountable to. And so I think think when I decided to put my money down and hire a coach to get me to stage, it was a lot easier because I had someone that was going to make sure that I was uh, doing what I need to do to be on task. And it's just like everything else. You know, when my husband and I decided to have a closer look at our business, uh, we decided to hire a coach to help us with our taking our business in a different direction and cleaning things up. When uh, we decided to start um, getting involved with um, investing in real estate, we grabbed the right people around us to to hold us accountable and to train us up and coach us in the right direction. So if I were to give any advice, if you were um, excited about trying something new or trying going down a new path, find a coach, find somebody who will take you down that path and hold you accountable to whatever it is. It doesn't necessarily need to be fitness, but you know, business, whatever. That's what I would say. So just because I want to stay on the fitness theme a little bit, because ultimately in, in the context of 
you know, living a great life and, and being successful, health is so incredibly important. Mm -hmm. You know, none of what we create in business financially or outside of that, if we're not healthy, we're not wealthy. That's the bottom line. And so it's important. So here's, because you've got the background, now you've taken fitness to the new, a, a next level. So this mm-hmm. is a discussion I'm having now. It's almost 61 years old and, and my fitness level. And I'm, and I'm, I'm really kind of struggling myself because it's like, uh, I'm not as I'm noticing, I'm not as inspired. I'm not as motivated. I care less, mm-hmm. you know, in terms, but I, but I do. But I, I am struggling with it. I've recently been really, I'm, I'm, I'm very physical outdoor, mm-hmm. but I'm getting, I'm not into the gym to the degree I used to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to be six, five, six, seven days a week and I'd be cranking out spin and I'd be doing all of the things. Mm-hmm. And, and that seems to have, um, so I'm challenged with going to the next level, going back. Cause I want to be a really fit 60 year old. That's what kind of my goal okay, right? in okay. my sixties. I want to be over the top fit, but here's the question. There's fitness and then there's just straight health. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm having a discussion with one of the team and, you know, Nick Banks really, you know, he's 50 something, very, very fit guy, mm-hmm. very fit. And we were having the discussion philosophically perhaps, but ultimately I said, fitness is one thing, but the reality of it is, is if you walk four days a week, five days a week, mm-hmm. 30 minutes to 45 minutes, you're actually, that's very healthy. Mm-hmm. So because you're more fit does not mean you're any more healthy. Okay. Do you, get, okay. Do you yes. follow that train yes. of thought? Yes. You're really fit, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're you're healthier. Okay. This is all to say that people get caught. I believe people get caught in the a level of fitness versus a level of health. You know what is my oxygenization? What is my resting heart rate? I can right. gain all of that just by really great uh, walks. Walks. That's it. Go or a great bike ride. Mm-hmm. So my heart's in great health. My resting heart rate is 54 beats a minute. You know, my oxygenization is always like 96. It's So that's how I look at it. So I want, as with the degree of expertise you have, what's your kind of thought on that? So I'm just going to just throw the question. So if you're feeling this way, Patrick, if you're feeling good, healthy, like, so what's what's up well that's the question (laughs) but that's the psychology that's the question of the day because here it is okay here it is because i used to you know i used to measure body fat i used to be very uber aware of it and i'm noticing now that i kind of care less and it concerns me And, and maybe that's my vanity play i don't know so i'm asking you know here i am sitting across from a, a potential fitness coach mm-hmm. and I go, okay, coach, you know, what's your thoughts on this whole mental mindset thing that I've got? Well, you know, I'm going through the exact same thing. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm going through the exact same thing. And I think there's a little bit of the the vanity piece in there. I think that's the part that I'm, I'm struggling with. And, uh, and cause I, on August 4th, I hung up my heels and said, this is it. No more of this intense level. I want to enjoy cake on my birthday this year, which is in a couple of weeks. I want to do that. Right. So, and I want to find something else. I want to find that balance. I watched my husband who just is a steady Eddie. He just, he just does the simple things, everyday things, right. He doesn't go hard like I did. So I'm now in that same place that you are, Patrick, where I'm looking for that, that, that level of health and fitness that is comfortable that I'm 
I'm okay with, and it's going to produce the shape that the body fat or whatever we're looking at, the physique that we're looking at, we're comfortable with. Right. And I have to change my mindset that I'm okay. Like, this is okay for me. My heart is great. You know, my, you know, my blood pressure is great. Uh, I might be having a little bit more body fat, but that's okay too. You know, I'll survive the cold winters. Like, it's okay. So I think that's the piece that we have to get past. And I'm not sure. I'm going to have to find a coach with that. <laughs> yeah, we're working through it, right? Here we are. We're, how do we age gracefully? Yeah, and, and comfortably. And yeah, exactly. So. Well, you know, so here's one thing. I mean, I'm blessed. My mom is 91 years old. Yes. And she's, you know, a total sound mind and relatively sound mm-hmm. body. But my mom has always been a walker. Mm. And and she all her life she's been she'd go for walks and that mm-hmm. was her thing and and even at ninety one years old mm-hmm. you know she gets her walker out in front of her and her and her girlfriend will walk <laughs> for a kilometer right they have to rest though she says right oh that's interesting mom but she's out there moving <laughs> she's out there moving yeah. and um so so my mom's kind of awesome that way and I'm blessed to I know I have her genes and the the. What showed, I'll share a story with you, which is kind of relative, relevant, I think. And I was one day I went over to see my mom. She lives in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And I said, how you doing, mom? She says, I'm good. Mm-hmm. She, says, she says, guess what? I go, what? And she goes, I went bowling the other day. <laughs> She's five Fun. <laughs> And Fun. I go, oh, I said, that's interesting. That's an, another thing she used to do a lot was bowl. Right. And so she says, I went bowling. And I says, really? I said, how was that? And she goes, well... I used my cane, and she has one of those canes with the four claws on it, yeah, right? Yeah. And so she said, I was a little bit worried about it might fall down, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to hurt myself. And I go, well, that's probably smart. But she goes, you know, after the fourth frame, I said, to heck with it. <laughs> and I put my cane to the side, and I finished the game. Aww. I go, good for you, Mom. She goes, I, She says, I just had to prove to myself that I could do it. Yeah. And I thought to myself, number, and oh, of course, that she had to add in the part, and I broke a hundred. So <laughs> awesome, mom. So that was really a fun story. But what I got to, and I thought to myself, gosh, there's a place there where at 90 years old at the time, right. she had to prove to herself that she could still do some stuff. So does that ever go away? You know, I don't think so. Because look at you and I, we're both having that conversation. Are we, what are we trying to prove to ourselves right now? <laughs> I, 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 so my, that's all that I don't know where that's going other than say, <laughs> I came by it, I come by it quite naturally. Right. And, uh, but I think that health is so important. Now I've had, uh, uh, I've not never had health issues, mm-hmm. uh, significant. Uh, I've had two sisters that have passed away from cancer and two older sisters. So that's always kind of in my mind. They're mm-hmm. only a couple of years older mm-hmm. than I, I was. So the, the health part of it is, you know, there's where we, I know that that's an important part of it. Mm-hmm. So when I'm sitting with you and who are struggling with fitness, but you're 57, six years old, you were competing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That yeah. would have been more than I could take on. So, yeah. Well, you know what? Again, I would, I can, I could, and I didn't want to waste that opportunity. I didn't want to go back and regret anything. Like, yeah. I just wanted to make sure, because there's, I've have a couple regrets, and I just don't want that for this. I was capable. I liked it. It felt good. I am all about um, and chicken and broccoli. I really like it, believe it or not, and beans. So, it, I just didn't want to regret that. This. I don't want to look back and go, I wish I had done that, you mm. know, and I had the opportunity and it's done. So now I'm on to my next adventure. 
So, uh, and I'm not exactly sure what that is at the moment, but I know that there's another adventure because I, 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 I want to go through life just doing as much as I possibly can. Live um, it. Yeah, Live your just life. living it for sure. So th- I just want to just come back to the Raquel McLeish thing. Yes, just real please, quick. please. Yes. No, I don't. Yeah, I'm glad you reminded me of it. So go, well, go no, ahead. that's okay. And yeah. the reason why is because, like I said, she inspired me and then I found her on Facebook. All right. And so you push the button to ask for a request and she says, yes. And you kind of go, does she really know that she's connected with me? Well, long story short, um, I'm, and I'm going to, it's going to be a cry moment on when I hit the stage on August 4th last year, I got a message from her and it was just so super cool to have my, my, hero, the woman who inspired me, actually messaged me, call me by name and just say, you know, a wonderful, you know, congratulations. And, you know, uh, and it was just a really su- super cool full circle. It was just really neat. So well, a special yeah, moment. it was wonderful. And, and we still communicate and, you know, I still admire her and, and uh, it was just a really neat thing. And, it, and then it, just to hear all my friends kind of chiming in, is that the Raquel McLeish? And I'm going, yes. And it was just really nice to have my, my inspiration actually say, well done. I, I think we have to be appreciative of because you're a relationship person, I'm a relationship guy, mm-hmm. and I have a real significant appreciation for the people that have had significant impacts in my life that sometimes can get forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like I didn't get here, you know, on my own. I I really did it through the inspiration or support of some really cool people. And although I've moved on, it's it's sometimes great to just reflect and say, how did I get here? Think about the people that. Mm-hmm impacted you and in this case you not only acknowledged her but she she was back at you going yeah good for you yeah I it was just a it was a great moment it was a really good moment I remember when I was about 38 years old and I was watching an Oprah show and on her show she had uh, a fellow who had a list of 100 things that he wanted to accomplish in his life and I think he was at number 77 and then you know she also had a guy on the show who had 50 regrets and uh, he went back to you know to to redo or go back and redo these regrets or or or, or so he didn't want to go on with life the way it was right now he just decided that he was going to go back and fix these things whatever they were and um I said I didn't want to ever do any of these regrets have the regrets I wanted to do a do a list of things like start you know get my 10 list of uh my list of 10 things I wanted to do because this guy inspired me. And sure enough, I started writing them down. And one of the things were kind of a mixture of regret and this list was I always wanted to bike from Castlegar to Vancouver for whatever reason. But my mom instilled the fear in me that, you know, you're going to get hit by a truck or someone's going to come out and, you know, grab you and hurt you and we'll never find you. At 40, I got on my bike and rode from Castlegar to Vancouver. And that was the start of going all these things that I kind of wanted to do way back when, um, I am going to now fulfill them. And so I still have a perpetual, this perpetual list of things because I'm capable and able. And, and if I'm not, I will find the people that'll help me get there. So, so just give people perspective. Cascar to Vancouver, how many kilometers? It's about seven hundred kilometers, seven or eight hundred kilometers. And and that represents some amazingly high, high 
big elevation is significant yeah, you're cranking yeah. it up there. and when you're going down the whole princeton it's not you have to pedal because the wind is blowing the opposite direction i made the mistake oh my goodness but yeah i did it it yeah. was a lot of fun it was a family adventure because yeah. my family followed behind me but it was really cool so yeah so tell me okay so we're going to jump around a little bit more but now you're a realtor in Castlegar, you've mm-hmm. got a brokerage, you're you're a very top performing realtor in that area. Mm-hmm. And and so you took it on. Now do you take it on with I want to go back to kind of mindset, entrepreneurial. What like what drives you? I mean, we all want to be successful in business, mm-hmm. but there's a a side of you or a part of you that I see is I don't know if it's competitive nature or if it's just the drive that you want to be absolutely the best. Like you don't sit back on your laurels. You don't hang back. You're, you're, you're really, my observation is you're very driven. Mm-hmm. And is, is that kind of come from the same source that you did during your physical, like the fitness competitions? And yeah, that kind of I stuff? think, I think it's all, it all comes from so, how to, after I um, competed in the for the first time in forty when I was forty seven, um, I was working at a golf course, and uh, these uh, fellows noticed my enthusiasm and just my energy, and I uh, they asked me to come along and teach the uh, help them sell their their condo units, and so I was whisked away from the golf course off to help these um, this this company sell the condo units, and that's when I got the real estate bug. I went this. Is this is pretty fun. Like I'm going, this is exciting. I quickly left that group and came home, um, just ne- needed to regroup and such, such. but I got myself the, uh, got my um, realtor's course. And within a year, um, I became a realtor. January 3rd, 2011, I became a realtor and I start, I really loved it. You know, I really enjoyed um, bringing people together with the homes and, 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 and just exci- was excited about listing and selling and just that relationship. And I went from selling soap, now I'm selling houses, same skill set, um, same understanding, you know, the, 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 the customers and clients needs. And it was a really, it was a thrill. I was, I was on a high for about three years doing that when all of a sudden my broker said that, you know, I'm going to shut the business down because that no one's there to, to, to buy it. And I vowed I would never buy another business. I just didn't, I just didn't want to do it again. I know the energy that's involved. And he says, well, take a look around. He goes, there are other offices that you can work for. And the same time I went, but they don't have the culture that was here in this office. Yeah, This office was only three of us, but the culture that we started there was very unique. And I said, I looked at the other brokerages and I just knew they didn't have the same culture. I said, okay, I'll take it on. And I did. We took it. And when I took it on, it was just like, this was good. Let me sit and just understand it for a year to, to, to figure out what I really got myself into. And okay, I get it. Um, but now I'm going to make it bigger. And, and the reason why is because it wasn't good enough for me. I wanted my own building. I wanted to, um, I wanted to, to be a high profile building. Uh, I just wanted to, just to, to, to get it to the best I could. And we started here and, um, and within three years, I, I bought a building, uh, created the Remax and one of the most iconic buildings in town. Um, and, and then to started to bring on more, um, more agents. I just wanted to, to do it at a level that was going to, I was going to be proud of and a level that I knew that um, I could do, I, I could, I can get to. So now you were and it, and it was kind of great time because uh, Carrie, your husband, who 
is was not just a high uh, a school principal. I mean, he was a top performing principal. He, I mean, he yeah. changed the world in that area around as a principal. Pretty principal. awesome for yeah. sure. Yeah, but he then retired, and yes. he's now he's working with you. He's taken on some operational, right, administrative stuff, which is not what lights you up. You know what? No, I I, I don't like that. He's very good at that. Yeah, I mean, no, was, that's he, perfect. He, though. He, uh, oh, it was, it, it's perfect. We're perfect for each other in this particular, this job um, and this role, you know. And he came on board to it'll be two September's, and he became my operations manager, and it was really nice to actually hand over that role to him. You know, he's part owner of this company. He, I knew he had a vested interest in it doing well. And um, of course, I trusted him, right, with this mm-hmm. particular role. And what is really nice was I can give him this role and it just freed me up to encourage and work with my agents and, and get them going um, to look for my other agents and and bring them into the brokerage. And it was just a, a really cool principle. And I've heard you say this to get, with other guests about just letting go of that um, that task to somebody else and frees you up to go and do what you love and your passion over here. So it was a really, it was really cool to hand that over to him. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it worked well. And here we are. And uh, this past year, our brokerage won, uh, well, our off, I was owner broker of the year for Western Canada. And that was a really nice honor. But it's not why, why you do it, but it was kind of neat to be recognized. Well, those are milestones that you know yeah. that, that you're holding a bar. You're setting a bar that's quite high for yourself, mm-hmm. especially out of a small town. I think that's a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um it's interesting that not everybody, you know, two spouses like like or a, a you know husband wife team cannot necessarily work together. You got you and Carrie recognize your skills, and I know Carrie really recognizes what you're good at, and he'll want to pull back mm-hmm. anything. You know, he, he just wants to give you that. Let mm-hmm. me look after the rest. That seems like a, I mean, that seems like a match made in heaven. I know Stephanie and I in our businesses, yeah work together. We're really good partners. I mean, she's so good at things that I have absolutely zero interest in. Yeah. And yet she takes it on and is brilliant at it. Yeah. It's a good team. Good team for sure. So you live in Kaskar. I want to talk a little bit about your kids and and we'll get to why that is. Now your son is local. Yes. My son, Mark lives in Kelowna and he just had a baby boy. Oh, so your grandma, what, for like the third time? Third time. time. Yeah. yeah. Harrison yeah. Fox McGregor was born on April 13th. So yes. yeah, that's, he's adorable. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and then your daughter. My daughter, Nicole, is in Kenya. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a missionary with her husband, Kelvin. And I have two granddaughters that are over there in Kenya, Mercy and Amina. Yes. And so here's where I want to go. You with can the just tell that. Like, um, you can see my big smile on my face. <laughs> I, I mean, you get it. You yeah, light totally, up, right? Totally. So uh, cool. Yeah. Your daughter married a guy from Kenya. Mm-hmm. And you babysit their children. So your grandma, you're Caucasian. Mm-hmm. And the kids are not. No. And so, <laughs> like... So that they're so cute. They're so cute. But how does that? Because you, yeah. I, I think you brought it up one day, and I was just thinking about it. Yeah. What is in people's minds? So your grandma, mm-hmm. your your Caucasian, your kids are not. Mm-hmm. Um, how does that land for you? Like, it's not a race. I'm not trying to be I, like I'm. I'm going. How do you think people view that, or is there because you, you you only because you brought it up once a long time ago? Yeah. I wondered what is what's that experience. 
Well, it is a. We brought it up because we we look at these little girls and they're just beautiful little yeah, girls and they're sure. our little people and and we do see you know physical traits that belong to me and Carrie and Nicole and and of course you know Kelvin is their father and they've they've got you know the physical traits that look like Kelvin and they're a really beautiful blend and their their skin tone is a beautiful brown and and you know we just look at them as gorgeous little babies and and you go out in public and in in, in Castlegar, you know, when they were born, um, there weren't many, um, you know, blended families, families yeah. like this there. So, you know, we didn't see any difference, but we saw people looking at the girls, right? Because um, it's just, I think that's just human nature, just to kind of look and 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 I wondered how the world would perceive them. They're in Kenya right now, and they're considered white. You know, no kidding. Yeah, wow, so, isn't that and that's really interesting too. You know, and and so they're going to. Um, I'm hoping as they grow, um, the generation that they grow up and you know with is is just going to recognize them as Amina and Mercy. So yeah. you know, so and that's just my hope for that for them. You know, so and, but they're amazing little. Well, of course. I mean, they're just they're little human beings, but I. But they're. But I, it is interesting. I'm, I'm, I was just always curious about the social dynamic of that. If yeah. You, will. you know how does society? You know because you know to your point because they're going over to Kenya. That's a different scenario than yeah. Castlegar, British Columbia. Yeah. So that must be a real kind of experience that you're observing and and mm-hmm. probably assessing. I guess at this point. Hmm. And. I don't know. Well, my daughter went over to Kenya and my daughter is the Canadian and she was there and she wanted to understand, she's a missionary, she wanted to get involved with, you know, the the Kenyan culture. And so she became, she she learned the language and she learned their customs and she, and so, you know, when people saw her, they saw her as a Canadian girl, but the moment she started to speak their language, the, 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 the respect for her just grew and they considered her one of her own. So they looked past the 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 her white skin right and i thought that was that was really wonderful for her because it gave her an opportunity opened up doors and people really embraced her because she was embracing the culture and i think it's the same thing with the the girls you know they're they're part of that culture they they're speaking both languages they're they're involved they're going to be it's you know, I think they're gonna they're gonna make their way beautifully. You yeah, know? And, I, and I only bring it up. I don't even know why I bring it up because it's just kind of interesting to me. Mm-hmm. In, and and so I'm only looking at looking at it from that that perspective. So the um, the missionary work your daughter's doing in Kenya, you've been over there. Yes, and, and you're actually, going in November again. Yeah, and you shared some you shared some of that experience because it's really quite mm-hmm. what what's the word? Uh, it's how do they save the world over there? What's what's the, what's the work <laughs> well, they're doing? Well, what are they? You know, you you do walk in and you know when my it's perspective, right? Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. It, when you land in Kenya, Carrie, you know, Nicole took him to one of the largest slums just outside of Nairobi, and my husband just went, "Wow, you know, this is just there's such." hopelessness is what he felt, right? But my daughter said, you know what? It's just one young boy at a time, Dad. We don't have to solve all this. And so her and her husband's mission is just to take uh, a young man, uh, make sure he literally has all his papers in order, and like from birth papers, to, you know, his birth certificate to his school papers, so that he can go on to get some sort of a 
education, whether it's a trade of some sort or or something, so that he can feel some sense of value and worth, so that when he takes on a wife and has children, he can be the father, the husband, the provider, and 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 feel that sense of pride and ownership or, you know, whatever. And that will start one small family. So off you go. You you get another you take on another boy and, and his and his desire to be educated and help him and so on and so forth. So one boy, one family, one community at a time. And that's how they're they're tackling, they're taking on this 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 passion of theirs. It's so interesting. I'm, I know that you're incredibly proud of her and, and you're loving being a grandma and, you know, Stephanie and I are loving being grandparents mm-hmm. as well. So it's kind of a, a, a neat part of our neat phase of our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and it's such a divergence from you, though. I mean, your daughter went on this whole other journey. You know what? And, and I, I'm so excited for it. So when I was yeah. a little girl, you know, uh, I, I saw those commercials on TV. I wanted to go to Africa and help help the children in Africa. Um, again, mom said, you know, just instilled fear in me saying, you don't want to do this. <laughs> I went, okay. Um, so when my daughter asked that question or just, I went, you're going, yeah, you know, so at the age of 13, we started working towards this and age of 17, she was on, on a flight to Kenya and she's never looked back, you know, on the other side, I've got a son who, you know, he's a, he's an accountant, he's a chartered accountant and he's on the opposite side of, uh, of the, of the spectrum. You know, I've got a daughter who wants to give away and my son, he wants to manage all this. So it's uh, very interesting that we have these two amazing kids and supporting them both. You've been working with Kerry directly in the business now that he's kind of left. What are you learning about working with your significant other? What have you learned? What if have you, I if learned? You were, if you were giving guidance to somebody, if somebody walked up and he says, you know, you've done it, like what should I know before I take the leap? Well, um, I have to communicate to him uh, a lot on, on on a not a deeper level. You're pretty just, bossy, right? Like, oh, shush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's um, true, though. I am. Okay, I am. Okay, Patrick, you're, you're right. You're very I, focused. You're like... It's my way or, or no way. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It's not that at all. <laughs> you know what? Um, we need to know that we where we're coming from. Like, if, if we're going to be working together and we're going to be taking on a task, we understand that we we both love each other. So it's coming from a point of love. It's not coming from a a, a place of of that we're trying to belittle, demean, take down because that's not who we are. Where it's coming from a place of wanting to work together to get to this goal. And sometimes, you know, there were times that I felt that I was criticized by him in on on certain tasks that we were doing. But I, you know, he had to remind me again, Lorena, I wouldn't be doing this. We wouldn't be having this conversation if I didn't care enough because I do. And so um, it's just having those open conversations when you start to, when I want to be the boss <laughs> and he's just saying, okay, boss lady, you know what we really need to do is like, let's take a step back and let's try it this way. And the reason why I'm saying that is because, um, you know, it's coming from a place of love and care and and let's just try it and and we'll see what happens with that. So it's communication. It's just really communicating what's really going on. But it's next level communication. Yeah. Either, either way, so aside, you can say, you know, 
don't take stuff personally and it's never demeaning. It's never intended to belittle or minimize the other person. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you can't help but feel that way for whatever the reason is because we all got our own shit that we're trying to work through. So Mm -hmm. we filter things through the things we filter through. Mm -hmm. And I think the importance of this conversation, because because over so many, over the years of working with Stephanie and, but also uh, working with other business owners, real estate investors, one of the things that I hear and and support people around is the communication between each other as a couple. Mm-hmm. It sometimes is, I see often, where, especially in the world of real estate investing, where the husband and wife are not on the same page. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- whoever the real estate investor is, the other person is going, nope, I'm not interested. <laughs> I'm not in. I think it's bullshit. Yeah. You guys are, you know, risking, ev- you're risking everything. Mm-hmm. I can't get behind this. And there is an actual 180 degree disagreement. It's like, mm. yes and no. It's not even maybe gray. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, there's secrets and there's things that aren't being shared. And, you know, he mm-hmm. or she is doing something. So you've, you've gone really to the next level, which is to say we're in this together mm-hmm. and we'll never be 180 degrees apart. I don't think we will be. No. Well, you know what? Because you communicated <laughs> no. it. I yeah, mean, no. you're talking about it, what, what you're yeah. seeing, how you're feeling, and how you're interpreting yeah. something. That's pretty, that's that's big levels of conversation. Most people or a lot of people just don't go there. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, I've learned, again, you know, speaking about levels of communication, I think communications levels were opened up because we brought somebody in to help us open up these mm. levels of communication. Coaching, right? Coaching, yeah. exactly. And uh, again, I used to not buy into these hiring these experts, a business coach, a, a physical fitness coach, you know, a, a life coach. Like, I didn't buy into it, but I start to see the value because, you know, um, it, it just opened up um, different ways of of uh, approaching our tasks or approaching life. It was just, it was wonderful. So so we have a new way of talking with each other and we needed this because when he retired, it was like, I remember my grandma saying that. I said, hey, grandma, isn't it cool that grandpa's hanging around? He goes, no, he's under my feet. He's in my way. I don't like it. I used to have the house to myself. And and I went, oh my gosh. And sure enough, when Carrie retired as a principal, it's like, you're in my space. You've got different sounds on in the house at this time of the day. It's never been like that. Get out of my space. So we had, there was an adjustment there and it was we had to talk about it. I had to let him know, you know what, this is what I was used to. So let's walk ourselves through this new way of living. And so that's opened up the communication. And then it also helped as we took on, he took on the role at the business, right? It, we just knew how to communicate and we still butt heads. We still, you know, say things in the wrong way, but we we work our way through it because we've had the coaching and we've got the steps and the techniques to get ourselves through. You know, it's so funny is uh, Stephanie and I, we communicate, we're, we're both big A-type personalities. We are both driven. Friends who know us can be in our space and how we interact with each other is totally normal. And the, I've been there. Yeah, well, the directness. <laughs> and, I mean, but if you don't know us, it's like, yeah. holy cow, are these guys going to like stay together? Or are they breaking <laughs> up? What's going on? And for, I was there once and I was going, okay, who, what, what, how, yeah. when I step in? But you guys managed your way through. And I, it was a huge learning experience to me to watch you guys go from there to here. It was very cool. It was, <laughs> but it is interesting. I guess we're we're not normal that way, yeah. and and the reality of it is, is there in behind it, what however intense something might get, there's never a thought of I don't like you or I don't love you or no. it, it's like it's not even on our mind. But if if you're a stranger 
and you were to see that interaction, mm-hmm. you're going, holy shit, these guys are off the rails. <laughs> so but, I thought but, that for a moment, sure? but then you guys got through it. Well, and I'm like, just, nice. That's just normal. <laughs> it's like for us, it's totally normal. It's so funny. Uh, and so you and Carrie have learned to do that. And I think there's there's some really good learning in that. Mm-hmm. You know, you along your journey, you know, you've got Carrie who's been kind of that principal loved being a principal like mm-hmm. he, he was really passionate he was about in his it element. doing That's, his thing yeah you being entrepreneurial and kind of off always busy having to do your thing so your journey's been really interesting to kind of observe and follow wrong and get, and get caught up especially the past few years that i've gotten to know you and carrie because you and stephanie knew each other way yeah. that's how we even well i met stephanie she was the first person i met at University of Alberta. And I knew right when I saw her, I was going to be her friend. I wanted to connect with her. <laughs> she just, she drew me in. And uh, yeah, we've known each other back then. And then we connected again, probably about eight years ago when you guys were still in Langley. That was fun. That was great. Now, the, so totally off topic, we're bouncing around now. I like uh, bouncing. As, as we're winding around. What's the passion about football and uh, specifically about BC. (laughs) Okay. So first of all, when I was a little girl, my dad come home on a Friday and he'd just crack open a beer and sit down in front of the TV. And uh, I wanted daddy, mommy, daddy, daughter time. Right. And so I would sit down with him, you know, and he would be watching football. And uh, so we sat there on Saturdays watching football together. And so I, I started falling in love with the game of football. And uh, I, I found it fascinating how um, these bodies can come together to run, catch, jump, block, all that just totally fascinated me. And I think that's part of my passion for why I got involved with physical education, because the human body and what it can do is just simply fascinating. So um, that was my, that's how I became a fan of football, because I sat with my dad and he taught me the game. And of course, his team was the BC Lions. So got to be a BC Lions fan too. Well, yeah, but you became a bit of a, you're, you were at the time, you were more of a super fan. You oh, were just I'm a still fan. a super fan. Yeah, I'm but. still, I've taken a little bit of a step back now, but um, I, I just, um, I just started falling in love with, with being in, in the stands, you know, just getting there. Cause I'd rather watch sport live cause I can choose what I want to watch. I don't have to watch the TV tell, telling the TV, sorry, I don't want the TV to tell me what to watch and how to feel. So I got uh, season's tickets um, for my dad and I to come to watch the game. Um, unfortunately, my dad never, never came to see a game. He passed away. And so I kept the tickets. And as I got to the game, I was absolutely thoroughly and loving, enjoying it. I can get involved with whatever part of the game I wanted to get involved in. And then, of course, I tend to, like everything in life, just do things a little bit bigger. And um, I decided just to become a character in the crowd. And um, I took on that role for the last two or three years. And um, now I'm just kind of toning it back a little bit. <laughs> because it's, it's not... Okay, so we lived downtown Vancouver. Oh, I know. And I, I, and I never went to a Lions no. game. You are driving five hours, six seven hours. Seven and a half hours. Seven and a half hours to <laughs> Yeah. go to a football game. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I know you wrap stuff around that and mm-hmm. but, I always do. But that's a that's a big commitment. Big so. commitment. Yes, I love the sport. Um I uh, became friends with a number of the players on the team. I, you know, cuz I went on a fan trip which was 
a lot of fun. And so they're just they're just acquaintances. So it's kind of nice to go out and cheer them on. But I do um, appreciate the athleticism. I do appreciate being in the crowd. I appreciate just the sport. And it's my team, them and the Raptors, of course. So, but yeah, I, I just love the sport. It's, and you're not a band, like you're not on a bandwagon. I mean, you love the sport. Like I you, love the you sport. Went, you go through the losing, the winning. Yes. I mean, it's all part of what you yeah, do. Yeah, so 2011, cool. I was there when they won the Grey Cup. And now they're, uh, they've completely did a whole oh, oh, complete overhaul and a whole new team of people. And here I am again. It's just, it's, uh, it's, it's fun. Okay. We could sit here and talk <laughs> a long time, but um, we need to wind this down. Okay. That and, sounds good. Uh, we're going to do a few rapid fire questions. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. You ready? I am. Okay. We'll, we'll warm you up a little bit here. <laughs> what are you reading? What's a book that you that had an impact or a book that you would gift the most? You know what? I am not a reader. I, I, I have to admit I'm not a reader, but, um, you do audiobooks. What do you do? I, I love podcasts yes. and if I were to give up one book, it would be the Bible. I would give, um, people the Bible cause I do read the Bible. So, What's a job that you hate to do, but you do it anyways because you're good at it? I don't like cleaning. I really don't like cleaning, but I clean the best. Like Carrie surface cleans, I'll deep clean. So I'm, I, I, you know, when I get into it, I get into it. I really get into it. I don't like doing it, but yeah. Do you have a favorite inspirational quote that comes to mind? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's a pretty, yeah, that's a kind of foundational, right? It is, so, yeah. it, it is. Like, I, wanted, I want to treat people how I want to be treated. It is so foundational, yeah. Do you have a favorite swear word? You know what? I can't swear. I, <laughs> I can't. I get, uh, Carrie laughs when I swear because it doesn't sound right. <laughs> it doesn't, I just don't <laughs> No, seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no matter how I say it, you know, um, no, caca. Uh, <laughs> you just got nothing, right? I got nothing. So when you come around here and you're listening to me, it's like, what the hell? Patrick? I would like to be able to say it like you, but I can't. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> In your world, heaven exists. What do you want God to say when you get to the gates? Well, heaven does exist. And when I get to the gates, I can't wait. Um, that I'll, I'll know I'm in heaven and good. Well done. Well done. Well done, good and faithful yeah. servant. Yes, for sure. Room, desk, or your car. What do you clean first? Car. Car, of course. Car, because I, I just need my clients to be sitting in a really nice car. Well, and you spend clean. a lot of time in it. I do. You're a seven and a half hour drive oh. to Vancouver to watch a football game. Hey, but podcasts keep me company. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Do you have a favorite tune? You know what? I am a rocker chick from the 70s. <laughs> so, you know, I'm going to go with the uh, Feels like the first time by Foreigner. Oh, wow. I know. I, I like that one. I, yeah. and But then, you know, I love my Christian rock tune. There's a guy named Torn Wells out there, and he's just uh, got this song called Known. I love it, too. Cool. Yeah. Favorite movie? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Are you kidding no, me right I'm now? No, I'm not kidding you. Oh, you know gosh. what? Oh, my gosh. I, it, I love Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I'm okay, sorry. Fine. I'm not. Who am I to judge? I know. Um... <laughs> And what are you grateful for? Patrick, you know what I'm grateful for is that God chose this time in history to put me here in Canada. Mm. You know, I think about 
Kelvin in Kenya. And I mean, I'm here in Canada. Mm. Like how amazing that I was placed here in this time in history. And that's why I just want to live it as big as I can um, because we're so, so fortunate, so blessed, Mm. you know? So there you go. Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for the same thing. I Mm -hmm. often think that. I'm always grateful for a visit by Lorene and Carrie. And today you Mm. got to hang out in the studio and uh, share some of your story, your journey and um, your successes. And so I'm just grateful for the relationship we have. Yeah. And uh, thanks for being on the show. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for inviting me. This was wonderful. Um, I'm very grateful for you and Stephanie in my life as well. So um, thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Thank you for listening. If you found value in the podcast, please take the time to rate and review and share with others. Share with your friends. As it is my goal to always improve and to provide the highest value for you, the listener. If you have any comments, suggestions, or questions you'd like answered, please email me at ceo at raincanada.com. That's ceo at reincanada.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, Patrick out.